Uh, today I wanted to speak on communion. I wanted to speak on the breaking of bread uh, because that is what we're going to do in the end of the service. And so I really wanted to talk about what that means for us together as a church family. And let me take you to the text. Matthew 26, verse 26 to 29, it says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Isn't it interesting that with time running out on Jesus' life, he makes time to do two things. He takes a family meal with his disciples where he breaks bread and introduces this communion And then he takes time to kneel in the garden of Gethsemane and pray to his father. Isn't it just like Jesus that in his final moments, it would be all about his people and all about his father? But you know, I guess we can assume that if these are the final moments of Jesus' life, then this ordinance, this thing that he is telling us to keep doing, to do in remembrance of him, I guess we can understand that it's fairly important. And one of the understandings, observations I wanted to make to you before we even begin to go into the text, is this. Did you notice that the context in which Jesus introduced communion, the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine, the context of it was a family meal. It wasn't a church service. It wasn't at the temple. There was no representative of the synagogue present. The context that he did this ordinance, that he introduced this practice into, was a family meal with his disciples. You know, sometimes I think that church tradition has got in the way of our biblical interpretation. You see, the reality is when Jesus started to introduce this ordinance, the idea behind it wasn't that we would take it once a month on a Sunday morning. The idea wasn't even that we would take it once a week in a small group. The idea was that he picked objects that would always be on the Middle Eastern table. He picked objects that were everyday and ordinary, that would be present at every family meal, the wine and the bread. And so the idea isn't that we do communion once in a while. The idea is this, that every time you and I gather as brothers and sisters in the faith, as a family of faith, that as we gather together, come on, around his name and around his sacrifice, that we would take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for your body broken and your blood spilt. And this is what happens in the early church. They introduce this practice of breaking bread into the early church. And in Acts 2 verse 42 to 47 is probably the best description we have of the activity of the early church, and this is what it says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and then get this, They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And do you know what the Lord did? It said that as they did this, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
See, today we call this practice of breaking bread and taking the cup. We call this practice communion. And communion actually has its roots in the Old Testament, the Old Testament feast of Passover. And that points back to when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt, out of slavery by the hand of God. It was a celebration of spring, of renewal, of rebirth. And when Jesus pauses to take communion, he is deliberately echoing this Passover sacrifice. You see, even today, the Jewish people observe the Passover feast where they remember when they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and the angel of death passed over the Jewish household. You see, but the reason that it's so important for us today is that communion is one of only two practices which we call ordinances. And what ordinances are, are practices that Jesus ordained that we should do. The two ordinances are this, communion and baptism. These are two practices that Jesus said to continue in even after he was gone. You see, at his last meal, he took bread, he took wine, he blessed the bread, broke it, distributed it. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Same with the cup. He took the cup. He poured it out like his blood would be poured out on the cross. He says, take this cup and do this in remembrance of me. And the idea is, Jesus is saying, after I'm gone, keep doing this. After I'm gone, continue in this practice. See, the ordinances are important for two reasons. Firstly, they are communal acts of commitment. They are communal acts of commitment. The early church fathers are used, instead of using the word ordinances, used the word sacramentum. And what a sacramentum was, this is what they used to describe communion and baptism. What a sacramentum was, was an oath of allegiance that a Roman soldier, ooh, this will preach, that a Roman soldier would swear to their commanding officer upon entry into the Roman army. A sacramentum was therefore an oath of commitment. Let me tell you what communion is. When we take the cup, when we take the bread, we are saying again, God, I reaffirm my oath to my commanding officer, Jesus. I will fight for you. I will follow you. I will live for you. It is an act of commitment to our commanding officer. But get this, it's not just an individual act. It's a communal act. See, the truth is, when you enter into the army, you're not just promising to fight for a commander, you're promising to fight with and for the soldier who is standing right next to you. You need to understand that when we take communion, we are not just looking up, we are looking around. You look to your brothers and sisters in Christ and you say, just as I swear to fight for Jesus, I take an oath to fight for you to pray for you, to encourage you, to stand with you, to advance the kingdom with you. This is not just something about me and Jesus. This is something about us. Hello, Jesus did it at a family meal for a reason. See, when we take communion, we look to the left, we look to the right, and we say, I'm standing for Jesus, but I'm not standing for Jesus alone. I stand with Jesus, for Jesus, in a mighty army. See, if I was a singing person, like Pastor Don, I'd sing that great song, There's an Army Rising Up. But you don't want me to do that, church. Because this service would woo, go die a horrible death. 
Come on, we're fighting for each other. It's a communal act of allegiance. So firstly, it was a communal act of uh, commitment. Secondly, the ordinances, baptism and uh, communion, get this, they're visual representations of our faith. You know, uh, when uh, speakers speak, they do sometimes what they'll call a sermon illustration. And uh, that's when we try and tell a funny story or we use a picture that's helping to explain the principle that we just, we just tried to tell you. What communion is, is like the OG biblical sermon illustration. It is a visual representation of the faith that we profess. It is a way that we act out our faith. They are symbolic pictures which allow us to graphically act out the gospel. You see, at communion, we remember how Jesus allowed his body to be broken like bread. And then we eat to show that we are accepting his sacrifice on our behalf. We remember how Jesus let his blood be poured out like wine. And we drink to show that we are completely covered and completely clean through his sacrifice. It's a picture of the gospel that we profess. But more than that, this is what Wayne Ward said. He said, in biblical thought, Old Testament and New, a symbol actually participated in the reality that it signified. So the reality is when you and I take communion, it's not simply a symbol. It's a form of grace to us. You see, we eat the bread and we remember that we are completely covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. We drink the wine and we are reminded that there's no spot or blemish that his blood can't remove. It's a way that we actually act out our faith and we are renewed again as we do it. So when do we take communion? What do we do? See, the Apostle Paul gives us some instructions regarding com communion, and I'm going to go through those with you now, and then we're going to take communion again at the end. But there's four things that we do when we take communion. Firstly, we look back. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 24, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance is a key aspect of faith. In fact, repeatedly the Old Testament links, get this, uh, forgetting to disobedience. Repeatedly in the Old Testament in the Psalms and Deuteronomy, the authors seem to think that forgetfulness is a valid reason for disobedience. Let me show you in Deuteronomy 8.11. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands. Forgetfulness is tied to disobedience. Now, that might fly with the Old Testament authors, but I'm telling you what, that excuse did not fly with my mum when I was a kid. If she told me to do something and I said, Mum, I forgot, I'm telling you right now, forgetfulness was not a valid reason for my disobedience to her command. It didn't fly with my mum. But she'd say, Well, Haley, if you knew that you were going to forget, why didn't you do something that would help you remember? Why didn't you put something in place so that you would do something so you didn't forget or disobey? I wonder if that's why God gave us communion. Because in the act of remembrance, come on somebody, in the act of remembrance, right, we will not fall into disobedience. Perhaps today God gives us 
The act of communion so we can look back, remember Jesus' body, remember Jesus' blood, and therefore not fall into disobedience. So firstly, we look back, but secondly, we also look forward. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, come on, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. See, we don't just look back at what Jesus did. We look forward to the day where our King is coming on the clouds with fire. When he is coming to fully establish his beautiful and wonderful kingdom, when every tear will be wiped away, where all brokenness will be gone forever, when evil will be extinguished from the world, we look forward to the coming day where he comes again. We look back, we look forward. Thirdly, we look within. This is what it said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. It's interesting that in the preceding verse, Paul tells us to take the cup in a worthy manner. I want to note that it doesn't say take the cup because you're worthy. Because none of us are worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. It doesn't say take the cup when you're worthy because if it did, none of us would be drinking this morning. It says, take the cup in a worthy manner. And what that means is, have integrity when you take it. Ensure that what is happening on the outside is consistent with what happens on the inside. See, if communion is a communal act of commitment, then the question that we ponder is this. Am I committed this morning to my commanding officer, Jesus? Am I committed to living for him, following him? Because when it says take the cup in a worthy manner, it's Jesus who makes us worthy. It's asking, where are you at with Jesus today? Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? I don't know if you've ever done something false, if you've, you know, said sorry and you didn't really mean it or offered a compliment that you didn't really mean or fake laughed on a Sunday morning because no one was laughing at the pastor's joke. Not Don's mine, obviously, but... You know, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. It feels false and hollow. And Paul's saying, just apply that same principle to communion. Before you take it, surrender places of your heart that are still fighting against your commander. Take time to take it in a worthy manner. Look within. And finally today, when we take communion, we look around. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. So then my brothers and sisters, When you gather to eat, you should all eat together. The word for communion is uh, koinonia. That's the Greek word. It means partnership, participation, uh, social intercourse. It means fellowship. It means when we do this, we do this thing together. And so after you've looked back, after you've looked forward, after you've looked within, take a moment to look around. Take a moment to look around at the body that Jesus planted you in, the people that you're walking with, the brothers and sisters who are taking up arms with you, fighting for you and fighting for the future, for the forward momentum of the kingdom of God. Take a moment to look around. And 